to tell you that that's really at the end of the day that's what it's all about amen I've estimated there are over 5,000 people that came on this church property this year that's over 25% of the people within a 20 mile radius of us it's a lot of people and I want you to know that that 5,000 people represents 5,000 families 5,000 generations 5,000 lives that were touched by the love of God and I just want you to know that you did that that was you God using you and I want you to know I you know me I don't believe in sitting back on our laurels and I saying, wow 2010 was great now we can rest I don't believe that I want to reach 50% of our county I want to reach more people touch them all we can everyone that we can why not because of us but because it's God in us that's reaching out and touching people and changing their families so we're gonna do that in 2011 and the way we're gonna start that out is that next week we're gonna start with a fast everybody say oh boy <laughs> but next Sunday what we're going to do, not at, not at noon, but next Sunday night, we're going to do a two-week fast. And, and I'm going to give you instruction on that next week. But we're going to spend the next two weeks, starting next Sunday, really fasting and really getting our, our minds lined up with what God wants to do in the mind of God in our area. But we've got some great events planned. This year at the Backpack Outreach, we're going to give away 750 backpacks, not 550. And we're going to expand to that. And we're going to do a carnival in conjunction with the Lions Club on our property for the end of school. And I expect a 1,000 students to come after that. We're going to do some big things this year. But we're also going to do a lot of small things. Like making sure people's oils changed in their car. And making sure people have food to eat on their tables. We're going to do the big things, but we're going to do the little things too. And I want you to understand something. It's going to be you doing it. And we're going to continue to reach out. And continue to be God's hand and feet. And I want you to know something. Trish and I were talking the other day, and, and I mentioned this the other day, but she made some cakes for a couple folks and was dropping those off. And she came back to me and she said, you know, that was a lot more fun than any gift I received at Christmas. Blessed are you when you give. And there's something about giving that's better than when you walk away and you plant something in somebody's life and their heart is changed. Amen. There's no better feeling than that. All the money in the world can't make you feel better than just helping change one person's life. Amen? Amen. So church, that's what we're going to do this year. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. We're going to do it. Well, I'm proud of all you guys. If you've got your Bible, hold it up this morning. And I'll, I remember, Bonnie, I'll get that in a second. Lift your Bible up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I absolutely can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, I just want to let you know that those videos that, that Bonnie did, Bonnie, great job today on your videos. Good job. And Nick. And Nick, we can't forget the brains of the outfit, Nick. We know, <laughs> we know you're the backbone, right? But they did a great job on that and, and uh, looking forward to increasing the level of our services and the different things. But um, at the back of the sanctuary, when you sign up for your Sunday school class today or pick up the information, we've also got DVDs of what you just saw. And it's a donation, whatever you want to donate, it's going to go towards the youth ministry. But if you want to take that and show your friends what your church is doing, you can do that. And we're also going to put it on our church website. 
So if you ever just need a little pick-me-up, every once in a while I'll do that. I'll just kind of look at a video that we've done or something and it just reminds me that God's right in the big middle of everything. So those are going to be available back at the information booth. You can pick one up after service today. Well, we started last week talking about the time of your life. Living like no one else. I'm sorry, living like no one else so you can live like no one else. And this week we're going to talk about the time of your life. Everybody turn around and look up above Marty. You see that clock? There's probably some courthouse somewhere that's missing that clock. I don't know it. But the reason that clock is up there is so that I don't go too long. <laughs> but we put it up there so I can see it, right? And it reminds me that I've got X amount of time to communicate to you guys. It keeps me on task. Well, there's a website. Everybody can write this down if you want to. It's not in your notes. I mentioned it last year. But there's a website called deathclock.com. Deathclock.com. Very nice name, isn't it? Well, you can go to deathclock.com, and you can enter in your information, and through a series of calculations, deathclock.com will tell you what your projected death date is. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> but you can. You can go to this website, and you'll enter if you're healthier, blah, blah, blah. You enter all this series of questions, and then it gives you a projected death date. Now, here's the truth. I believe you're going to go home to be with the Lord when he calls you to go home to be with the Lord. But one thing is for certain, you are going to die at some point and go be with him. Whether If he comes back, well, I'll be caught up with him. But, but if you tarry on this earth before the Lord comes back, guess what? You're going to die. <laughs> and deathclock.com just kind of reminds you that, that this is temporary. You know, we're only here for a while. If you look at the scripture today, Psalm 39 Verse 4 through 5 says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are, everybody say, numbered. Numbered. My days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. That verse really tells us that, that we're just here for a little while. We're just here for a short amount of time. And, and we, we have a limited amount of time. Your days are numbered. Before you were born, there was a start date and an end date. It's kind of like a gallon of milk, you know? There's a projected end date. And there's a, there's a date that it goes out on the shelf. And your life has a projected end date. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14 says this. Now listen. And whenever the Bible says, now listen, what does that mean? Listen, <laughs> when Jesus would say things like verily, verily, in other words, you really need to listen to what's about to happen. So James says this, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, we'll make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, so many of us in life, we, we, we think, we make these plans, we do these one-year goals and these five-year goals and we, these 10-year goals, and I want you to understand that is very important. You need to do those things. As a guy trained in business, we did one-year plans and five-year plans. That, that's very important to do. The Bible talks a lot about planning, but the balance of that is you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You have no idea what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. Tomorrow could be your last day. And understand me, I'm not trying to be morbid today, but I also want to be very realistic. We need to understand that, that there's an end date to this deal. 
For those above us above 40 or 45, it's closer than it was a few years ago. The reality is I'm closer to my expiration date than I was when I started. And that's a reality check for me. And one of the things that, that I've been thinking about personally, and, and part of it is probably because I'm pastoring and God's impressing things on my heart, but, but I'm a, more aware of my mortality than I've ever been. Arkansas has helped me with that. I mean, I almost burned everything up last year. almost killed myself with a pair of binoculars. If you're new here, I'll tell you the story sometime. I mean, I've experienced my own mortality this year. And the other thing I've experienced is when it's really cold, I'm kind of achier than I remember being as a younger guy, right? Last night we were watching a movie, and and I stretched my leg out, and it went snap, crackle, pop. Sounded like a bowl of Rice Krispies. And Kennedy looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I said, baby, I'm just getting old. And football was very, very bad to me. (laughs) But the truth is I'm closer probably to my expiration date than I was when I started. And that makes you think differently. You start thinking a little bit differently. And we're going to talk about today how practically to take those thoughts and really make sure that we get God's mind on things. Psalms, 30, or excuse me, Psalms 90 verse 12 says this. It's in your notes. Teach us, he's talking to God, teach us, God, to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The lesson today is very much about that. I want you to understand, I want you to think about that you're not going to live forever. And knowing that, knowing that there's an expiration date, you need to live your life differently. Because here's the truth. Some of you remember last year I did the series called 30 Days to Live. And it was really that what if you got a prognosis that you knew within 30 days that you were going to die? How would you live your life differently? I want to tell you something if we lived that way every day which is what the bible teaches us if we lived every day thinking that 30 days was going to be when we went home with the lord how would we be different would little things bother you anymore would somebody cutting you off on traffic ruin your day probably not maybe some forgiveness that you needed to share maybe you would give that a little easier see there are things that you would probably do differently if you knew that there were only 30 days left to live and I can tell you this as a church if we all adopted this and I'm talking about myself as well if we all adopted the the philosophy that I only had 30 days left to live we would live very very differently we would love more we would forgive more we would be more generous we would be more kind there's a lot of things we would do differently Amen? So as we go through this series, not only this series, but really every day, I want you to think that way. As a matter of fact, I would encourage some of you to maybe type out on your computer or write out a note, put it on your refrigerator or in your mirror, somewhere that you'll look at it every day, and it would say, what if today was my last day? How would I live? What if today was my last day? If you'll live like that, you will be a much happier person, and you will be much more fruitful in your own life. Amen? All right, so if we know that our days, days are numbered, and if you've got your handouts, you can look at the notes there. There's a few things that I want to talk through practically. I believe the Bible is a very practical book. So we're going to talk about some things that you could do practically if you knew and you lived like your days were numbered. The first thing is you would put first things what? First. Put first things first. I can tell you this, and, and I've talked to Marty and, and Clint and some of the other guys. It is so easy to get caught up doing stuff where you intended your day to go one way, and stuff happens during your day, and the, you've got maybe a list of three or four things that you want to get done, and at the end of the day, you got two of them done. Because other things jumped in on your day, and you weren't able to get your list complete. Is that anybody? Does that sound right to anybody in here other than me? But, but if we really want to be fruitful for God... We need to make sure that we put first things first. 
Now, sometimes your list needs to be moved aside because there are other priorities that come in. But, but we do need to have lists of things that we need to do, but we need to make sure that those things are important things. So we need to make sure we put first things first. The second thing is we need to give focus, excuse me, focus and energy to the things that really matter. Focus and inter, uh, energy to the things that really matter. This is the illustration I want you to use real quick. Everybody look around the room real quick. Just look around at everybody around you. Just look around. Tell them they look pretty. Dennis, you look pretty this morning, Bo. <laughs> now, in a hundred years, how many, how many of y'all are going to be in this room? <laughs> a couple of hopeful me. <laughs> but in a hundred years, the reality is, the reality is, statistically speaking, in a hundred years, none of us are going to be here. Not one person in this room is probably going to be here in a hundred years. I don't think that's morbid. I just think that's a fact. So when I talk about putting energy towards the things that really matter, you need to think about that. You need to think about what do I need to do today that's going to leave a legacy? What legacy do I want to leave behind? See, the people primarily, not all of them, but the people that primarily built this church, that paid for this land, that gave us this great building that we can live with, we honor what they've done because they have left us a legacy. What they did mattered. Right? What they did mattered. But that 1963 Corvette you got in your, your garage probably doesn't matter a whole lot. Now, I'm not saying it's not cool, and, and if you want to give it away, I'll take it. <laughs> but the truth is, your legacy is not really in the things that you accumulate. Jesus told us the key to that. The key to life is two things. You can write this down. Loving God and loving people. If you spend more than a week at this church, you're going to see that plastered everywhere. It's on my business card. It's on the, the sign out front that Tim and, and Anthony put together. It says, loving God and loving people, because that's what really matters. And the legacy that you will leave behind is your relationship with God, because in 100 years, your relationship with God is probably going to matter to you a whole lot. Because the Bible is very clear. It says, it is appointed for every man once to die and then to judgment. Everybody say, woohoo. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? But the truth is, and I'd be lying to you if I told you any differently, one of these days you're not going to be here anymore and you're going to stand before God and you're going to be judged. And at that point in time, your relationship with God is really going to matter to you. <laughs> but it's more than that. See, I'm not trying to scare you. That's not what that's about. That's just a fact. But the reality is you don't have to be scared of that because if you've invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you're saved. And when you stand before him, he's going to say, well done. You know, he's going to look at you and he, he, he's going to let you in. You're going to enter into that rest. But it matters now what you do. It matters now that you do those things. And the second part of what Jesus said is loving people. Your relationships matter. God is all about relationships. Jesus died so that you could have a restored relationship with God. And your relationship with the people in this room and the relationship with the people in the community matters. And that is all that's going to last when you're gone. So why is that important? You need to spend time with your kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews. You need to spend time with kids in this church. Because one of these days when we're gone, they're going to take over and they're going to be running things. And they're going to live their lives based on how we taught them to live and showed them to live. The people in this room are going to matter. 
I believe, and I don't know that it says this anywhere in the Word. I've never seen it. But I do believe when we get to heaven, there are going to be people that we're going to meet whose lives we impacted that we may have never known it. There will probably be some people in heaven one of these days that are there because of you. And God using you as his hands and feet. How cool is that going to be? That God used you to change somebody else's eternity. That's awesome. That matters. So we have to put time and energy into the things that ultimately really matter. There's a poem I wanted to read to you. Roses are red. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He has achieved success who has lived well, laughed often, and loved much. Who has enjoyed the trust of pure women and the love of little children. Who has filled his niche and accomplished his task. Who has left the world better than he found it. Whether by an improved poppy or plant, a perfect poem, or a rescued soul. Who has never lacked appreciation of earth's beauty or failed to express it. Who has always looked for the best in others. And given them the best that he had. Whose life was an inspiration. Whose memory a benediction. I want you to ask yourself a question this real quick. This is very serious. One of these days when you're gone. And me or somebody else is standing up here. What would you want to be said about you? What would you want to be said about you? They were a loving parent. They were a kind person. They were dedicated to God. What would you want to be said about you? What is your legacy? It's a serious question, isn't it? But I think it's one that we all need to ask. And and some of you right now are going, oh, man. There wouldn't be a whole lot to say about me right now that's any good. You know what? God can change that. What we sang about today in worship is all about that. One minute in his presence can change that. God is a God of grace and mercy. And as bad as you may have been or as many things as you may have messed up up until today, he can give you a brand new day today. Here's the next blank. Do it now. Make a change now. You know, if you find yourself saying, you know what, after the holidays, I'm going to diet. <laughs> Is that anybody? Is that anybody in this room? You know, after the holidays, I'm gonna, well, after the playoffs are over, I'm going to diet. Well, after the so-and-so's over, I'm going to, if you keep putting things off to tomorrow, man, it ain't never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So you've got to learn. We've got to be people that learn to do something now. Why is that important? I'm laughing and we're talking about dieting and exercise, which is important. But what about relationships? I mean, there are probably people right now in your life that you need to call and you need to forgive them. And maybe you've been talking about doing it now for the last five years. Maybe you need to go home today and pick up the phone or send an email or something, and you need to set that person free. Maybe the person that you need to forgive, the person that you need to talk to and give a break is yourself. Maybe today is your day. But do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Jesus was very clear about tomorrow. You know what Jesus said about tomorrow? He said, tomorrow has enough worries on its own. Let's worry about today. Let's focus on today. Jesus was all about today. And today is what you have. So today is the day that you need to do something. Don't wait until tomorrow. Some of y'all that really hit a chord with. The reason it did is because you need to do something today. Don't put it off. Amen? You'll appreciate me later for that. (laughs) Some of you go, man, I wish he'd go home. 
But the truth is, we need to do those things. Don't put it off because you'll regret that. You know, uh, Marty and I spend time together, and we talk about a lot of leadership stuff. And, and he's got this saying that I'm going to give it credit to you, Marty. You probably got it from somebody else. But Marty has a saying that goes like this. He says, can you, do you have the ability? And then the second part of the equation is, will you? Do you want to do something? Can you, do you have the ability to do something? But the bigger question is, will you do something? And the reality is that's from a business perspective primarily, but it totally transfers over to your life. See, many of us have the ability to do things. We have the ability to forgive. We have the ability to go exercise. We have the ability to do something, things, but do things. But the bigger question is, will we do that thing? Will we do it? We have to do it now. Don't wait. If you, leave, if you don't leave with anything else today, leave with that. Now go do, make a change. Now make a change. Today make a change. Amen? Number two is you've got to turn your intentions into, anybody want to guess? Actions. Turn your intentions into actions. James 4.17 says this, Anyone then who knows the good that he should do and doesn't do it, sins. Ouch. <laughs> if you know you need to do something and you don't do it, it's actually sin. You're missing the mark. You've got to do it. When God shows you to do something, you need to do it. Turn your intentions into actions. The reason most people don't ever live, you know, their, their um, New Year's resolutions don't last more than a few weeks is their intentions, but they never turn them into actions. Last week, I tried to help you with some of that. If you were here and you didn't hear that message, go on the website or we'll get you a copy of it. But you've got to turn your intentions into actions. The, the thing we need to do next is focus on power. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So that you can pray. Focus on getting the power that you need. The other focus that you need to have is a focus on people. It's always about God and it's always about people. Focus on people. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 9 says this. Above all, everybody say, above all. What does that mean? Above all. <laughs> it means above all. So here again, we have something that the Scripture is saying. In other words, you need to really pay attention to what comes next. So above all, love each other deeply. Wow. Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another, and I like this next part, without grumbling. <laughs> without grumbling. Love each other deeply. Overlook. We've got to learn to overlook each other's faults. I mean, I know I'm the only perfect person in here. <laughs> but the reality is we've all got spots, don't we? We all do. We all have challenges. Mine are just more visible than most people's. <laughs> but the reality is we all have challenges. We all have issues. We've got to learn to deal with it. You're imperfect on purpose. The body of Christ is imperfect. And I can tell you as your pastor, I'm never going to do everything you want me to do. I'm going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen that I do that are imperfect. But you know what? You've got to love me anyway. <laughs> and the reality is I have to do the same for you. We have to love each other deeply. That matters to God above all else. Pretty interesting. 
And the final thing there is focus on your purpose. Focus on your purpose. And that's one of the areas when I look at our church that I'm very proud of, many of you, is that there are people in our church, I'm watching you find out who you, who you are, find out the gifts that you have, and you're actually moving and using your gifts. And those of you that are not, you need to step up because we're missing out. When you don't do what God's called you to do, the body of Christ suffers, and the people in the community don't get ministered to. So you all have gifts. Everybody in this room has gifts. There is nobody that's ever been created that doesn't have a gift. You have gifts. We need them. We need your gifts. Like Uncle Sam, you know, we need you, you know. But we do. This church needs you. And some of you go, well, I don't know, Pastor. I'm not, I don't have any gifts. And like, Yes, you do. So I'm just going to tell you right now, you have gifts. You may not have uncovered them yet, or they may not be developed yet. We want to help you develop your gifts. Part of why we're offering these classes is so that you can uncover your gift and become a disciple and begin to use the gift. And I want to tell you the most fulfilling thing in your life. That's big. The most fulfilling thing in your life is when you uncover who God's created you to be and you begin to walk in that gift. You will never be more fulfilled than when you do that. I can promise you that. So if you're sitting there today and you're thinking, ah, now listen, and I talked to my mom about this. We were talking about church growth and different things this week as she's been taking care of me and helping Trisha this week. <laughs> and uh, Trisha's doing good, by the way. I just want to tell you, she's doing much better. She'll be out chopping wood tomorrow. I'll have her, you know, back on track. But I'm just kidding, okay? Some of y'all ladies don't come beat me up after service. But she's doing much better. But we were talking this week, and, and I said this, and I, and I get so passionate when I think about this. Church is not a spectator sport. <laughs> Your faith is not a spectator sport. It's about you playing in the game. And, and, and if your only, you're only experience with church is to come in here and watch me every week and sing a few songs, you are missing out. It's about you own this church. This is your church. You have a call from God to do something in this church. And I'm not saying that because I don't want everybody to be working 900 miles an hour. If, you, if you're around here, you know I don't believe in that. But what I do believe is that everybody has gifts and abilities, and you need to get involved. You need to get involved. You know, I had a coach growing up playing football, and he said, look, guys, I know some of you are going to get out there and you're going to forget the play. The ball's going to be snapped, and you're going to be standing there. You're going to go, I do not know what I'm supposed to do. You know what he said? Do something, even if it's wrong. <laughs> but don't just stand there. He said, I never want to look out there and see you just standing there. He said, you need to do something. And that's the truth in this church. You need to do something. Everybody can do something. Amen? All right. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says this, Each one of you should use whatever gift, everybody say whatever gift, he has received to serve others. Isn't that interesting? Your gift is not for you. Your gift is for other people. Amen? Does that make sense? Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I love that. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Get into a class, find out what your gift is, and begin to use it. There is a place for you at this church. 
You know, the next few weeks, the reason we're not starting the classes till the middle of February, tonight Bonnie is going to be teaching on how to uh, work with kids and adults. You need to come to that class tonight. All the adults are going to be in here tonight. For the next few weeks, next week I'm going to be teaching on Sunday night. We're not going to go into our classes for almost a month. The reason is we want everybody to get in a class. We want to give you time to find out what class you want to be involved in and sign up. Come to a class. You'll enjoy it. Find out what God's calling you to be. Number three, you need to turn my whole heart, your whole heart towards Jesus. Turn your whole heart towards God. Mark 12, verse 34 says this, When Jesus saw that the young man had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And I would, I would say that today to some of you. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Some of you are closer to God right now than you've ever been. But I tell you what, there's more that God wants you to do. There's more for you. And until you go home to be with him, God has always got more. There is not a person in this room, including me, especially me, is at the place where God goes, Whoa, look at you. You did it. You've reached the peak of spirituality. Doesn't happen that way. Life is a journey. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification, the walking out of your faith, you becoming the person that God's called you to be, takes place the rest of your life. You may be saved right now, but you becoming the person that God wants you to be is going to take time. And it takes you being involved. And you are only going to grow as much as you allow yourself to grow. Putting your Bible under your pillow at night and hoping by osmosis that it's going to soak up into your brain is not going to work. You've got to open it. You've got to open it. So you need to make sure you do that. I can tell you, some of you have cable and you probably have those exercise channels. Watching those people exercise on TV is not going to help you get stronger. <laughs> You're not going to lose weight. You have to do something. Do something. Get involved, amen? You know, God has really been impressing on me a lot lately, especially the last two days. Really, it started when Trish was in the hospital the other day. I told you the story last week that I spent the night in the hospital room. <laughs> I won't do that again. You know, and the crazy chair that they gave me that almost killed me. Um, but because I had so much awake time during the middle of the night, and I had a lot of time to think that that really wasn't very much fun. It really wasn't very much fun being in that hospital. I mean, a hospital is not a place you go to rest. And I began to understand as I was sitting in there and watching them poke and prod her and not let me sleep, <laughs> that that wasn't a whole lot of fun. And I want you to understand something. You don't hear anything else today. Hear this. Don't wait till you get a bad report from the doctor. Don't wait until you're laid up in a hospital room somewhere. Don't wait until somebody you love has passed away. Don't wait until something happens to really draw close to God. See, the truth is most people do that. There's an event that happens that turns them. Well, I had a kid, so now I'm going to go to church. Or, well, I had this, or I had an accident, or so-and-so died. Don't do that because you are wasting your life when you do that. Today, make the decision today. Amen? Today. I left at the bottom of your notes, and if you don't have notes, I do want you to do this. I want you to write this down. This is a very, very simple thing to do. I want you to think, you may have written out a list of 30 resolutions. Who wrote resolutions this year? If you, if you wrote resolutions, raise your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Have you kept all your resolutions so far? 
All right, somebody lying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to give you an easy resolution. Everybody can do this. Okay, you ready? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one word this year that represents what you want to be better at. One word. For instance, I want to be more compassionate this year. Or I want to be more disciplined this year. Or I want to be more loving this year. I want to be more faithful this year. I don't want it to be some big, long thing. I want it to be one word. And then I want you to put that word up there by that other thing I told you. And I want you to look at that every day. Okay? We've got to learn to do that. Got to learn to do that. I got a phone call this week. I was driving back to the church, and Bill had an accident this week. And uh, turned his car over in the river. Down at Spring Creek. He's all right. He's fine. He's here. And uh, I actually called and talked to Ricky while they were taking care of him. He's down in Cherokee Village. And he's okay. But I want to tell you something. That was a wake-up call to me, too. We never know. You never know. How do you want to be remembered? How do you live today? Do it now. Do it now. Let's be people of purpose. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us such a great, loving church. A church full of people that want to know you. And a church, God, that wants to be your hands and feet and do something. But, Lord, more than us corporately doing things as a church, our church is made up of a bunch of, a bunch of individuals. Each one of us has different gifts and different abilities and different talents. And I know, Father, that there are people here today that heard this sermon and say, Pastor, that's great, but right now I'm hurting. Right now I'm broken. Right now, I don't even know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow, much less 12 months. Well, friend, I want you to know something. God is real. God is real. And God loves you right where you are. And I want you to hear this. God is not mad at you. Please hear me. God is not mad at you. He loves you. He created you. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his masterpiece. He handcrafted you. And the pain that you're experiencing right now, whether that's your own pain or maybe you're in a situation with your family that you're going through a challenge in your family or maybe you're in a situation with your finances, you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Maybe you're in a situation with your children who've strayed away or you don't know what to do. Whatever your situation is, God is enough. And His grace is enough. He is more than enough. So if that's you today, and you say, Pastor, that's me. If you're dealing with the situation and you just need God to get involved in your situation, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Why don't you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Hands going up all over the congregation. You may put your hands down. We're dealing with stuff. Or if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. But I've never even made Jesus my Lord. I have never received him as my Savior. I'm not saved. I, I can't answer right now that if I died that I'd go to heaven. I don't know. Well, if that's you today, today's your day. Why don't you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't even know if I'm saved. 
I have never received him. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm saved years ago. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but frankly, I've been doing my own thing. And it really hadn't worked out. But today, I want to rededicate my heart to the Lord. Today, I I want to invite him back in. That's you today. Just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, today. Amen. Amen. See hands all over the congregation. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you fall into any of those categories, if you just need prayer today, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come forward. And church, this is such an important time. People today have big things going on in their lives, and we need to be praying for them. If, if you raised your hand today and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, I want you just to come forward and say, Pastor, I need somebody to agree with me today. I just want somebody to pray with me. I need help. That's you. Just come down. Amen. Amen. We're just going to pray. We're going to stay in a moment of prayer for those that are coming down. We're just going to pray for them. Amen. Amen. Come down at any time. Come forward, and we're going to pray for you. Amen. And if you're sitting out there, just pray for the folks that are down at front or reach your hands out, whatever you're comfortable with. Let's believe that God's going to move in their situation. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. You're a God who hears prayers, and you are near to us. Lord, your word says that when we're in trouble, you are near to us, that you are ever-present. Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit to give us peace. And Lord, you're the God of all peace. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, for those that are going through their trying times. And folks, I want you to understand there's some that didn't come forward, and that's fine. The Lord can meet, meet you where you are. If you raised your hand today and you didn't come forward, God can meet you where you are. It's not a physical position. It's a heart position. So if you raise your hand today, the Lord can meet you where you're at. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus died so that we could be free. And Lord, like you told us earlier, you would leave the 99 to go find the one. And if you're that one today, he's looking for you. Really feel like we all need to do this. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Those down front, keep praying. And everybody in the congregation, put your hand over your heart right now. So I'll pray this together. Say, Lord, you know my situation. Today, I rededicate my heart to you. I invite you into my life. Lord, I invite you into my situation. Jesus, have your way. Amen. I want you to understand something. There's a big difference between making him your Savior and making him your Lord. And those of you that are dealing with challenges today, whatever they are, you need to allow him to be the Lord of your situation. I feel strongly about this. I know there's some people here today that are dealing with challenges in their relationships, and their marriages, with their kids. I want you to understand something. Give the situation to God. 
Trust him. Trust him. Give that person to God because I want you to understand something. You, and I've learned this, that a lot of times when I'm praying for somebody else's heart, the Lord says, well, let's talk about you. So if that's you today, I want you to give that situation to God. Amen? Give that situation to him and pray for that person. But also ask the Lord to make a change in you. Amen? Let's just continue to stay in an attitude of prayer for me. God is good. Amen. God is good. And I want you to know something as we close today. God cares about what you care about. He loves you more than you could ever love yourself. He cares about your family more than you could ever care about your family. He wants to be involved in your life. We have to open up and allow him to do that. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Father, I thank you today for this church, for this family. And Lord, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you that, that your heart's desire is just to draw closer to us, that we would love you and love each other more. And so, Father, I pray that supernaturally you would put that in our hearts. That, Lord, we would be your hands and feet. And as we leave this place, help us to realize we're entering the mission field. 
Whenever we walk out that door today, there are people out there that need to see you. They need your love. They need your help. They need your hand. Father, I pray, even as we are broken, help us to go into a broken world and share your love with them. Father, use us. Bless our families. Bless our work. Bless all the things, that our school, all the things that we lay our hand on. Lord, be our God. And I pray, Father, this week for every person in this room, every person, that, Lord, you would show up in a special way just to let them know you love them. Father, in a real way, you'll just let them know that you're there. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Last thing, I know the weather's getting a little